Welcome back. This is part two of my interview with Ann Hintz, where we are discussing how to use tapping to experience profound emotional release from tension and intrusive thoughts. We're going to pick up right where we left off. So if you have not listened to part one, you'll want to pause and start there so you understand the context of the conversation. We began with the symptoms of emotional dysregulation that we've all experienced when our feelings are bigger than the facts and how to heed the call to turn inward so that you can heal the trauma that is hijacking your amygdala. We also discussed why positive affirmations can't work until you uncover and heal the dark negative thoughts that are energetically trapped in your body. And that the best way to do that is to use tapping to emotionally neutralize painful memories and emotions. And so now in this episode, part two, Anna's going to explain the difference between your thinking mind and your feeling mind and where we get feeling our feelings wrong. Thinking about our feelings is not the same as feeling our feelings. We're just doing it wrong. And that's why we have such resistance to feeling the feelings in the first place. But as you'll learn in this episode, once you actually experience relief with the tapping technique, you will actually enjoy it. Instead of flinching, suppressing, ignoring, avoiding, distracting, numbing, whatever it is we do with feelings, you'll be willing to look directly at it and see it for what it is, an invitation to heal. And in the second half of this episode, we dive directly into the topic of alcohol use disorder and how tapping can be used specifically with the thoughts and feelings you may be experiencing as resistance to change. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach, helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. Every reaction we have to anything is also an invitation to heal because if, think of the word react. We're acting something again that we have acted before. So yeah, if we can catch those reactions and that's what I did with EFT. I started to notice during the day when I was becoming emotional and that's the first step, right? We have to be able to step back and say, okay, look at me. I'm starting to be frustrated or angry or whatever then we can do something about it. Then we can tap if we're using this technique. But until then, we can't, if we're actually caught up in the emotions, we can't do anything about it. We have to step back. And, and I started to do that during the day. I'd catch myself being emotional or reacting. I would tap, bring myself back to peace, go on with the day, catch myself again. And it gets easier to catch yourself. You know, to begin with, maybe I can only do it once a day. But as time went by, it got easier to do. And I started to find myself becoming more peaceful on the inside, which was so nice. And my family became more peaceful because if I was more peaceful, they would catch on and they would also be more peaceful. So that was really fun. But I wanted things to go faster. I mean, I could see things were changing and I was determined to change. 
So I wrote down all of my memories from childhood, all the emotional memories, all the big traumas, little traumas, humiliations, embarrassments, phrases that I can remember my parents using. And I tapped through one of those each night until they were released. And over those weeks and months, I could really see things changing. That's when I could notice that my mind was quiet and it hadn't been before. And my subconscious mind was opening up. And that's when I realized that I was becoming aware of the emotions that I was feeling that I had never been aware of before. And then underneath that, there's a set of physical sensations. And I know you know this, but when we're feeling something like anger or frustration, we're actually describing how we're feeling inside. We're describing where we're holding that tension inside. And we can become aware of that. And I hadn't known that in the past. When I started this journey, I was not aware at that level. But with the releasing of these layers and layers, I became aware of those physical sensations underneath the emotions. And at that point, I didn't feel like I needed to use EFT anymore. I taught myself what I call feeling your feelings, which sounds so obvious, but it's not as easy to do as it sounds. So... One thing I wanted to highlight that you said and is that becoming aware of your emotions is the path in. And if we imagine a train going down a track, it's and there's an alternate track, the like the guy, the conductor that that flips the switch so that the train goes on to a different track, the flipping of the switch is where you shift your consciousness from the story in your head the that's going over and projecting and making meaning and remembering and and thinking about the future you have to stop with the thinking and shift your focus into the feeling and you can use thinking to do that because you're thinking oh i'm going to pay attention to where because your brain has to do something it's busy it has language oh where am i feeling this what does it feel like and so you shift out of the story and you can tell your brain i'll be right back we will figure this whole problem out. Just give me five minutes. And then you shift over into the paying attention to using words to describe your feelings and all of that. And that's really, that's where all of this boils down to is you have to shift out of the story in your head and down into the energy that you are experiencing. Yes. I talk of it like and I didn't know how to put this in words at the time, but because I used to say I'm out of my mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now I say, OK, I'm not in my thinking mind, but I'm in my feeling mind. So it's like saying to yourself, OK, I'm going to feel what my right knee feels right now. And then that's the thought. But then actually going and feeling the sensations in your right knee. Right? That is sensing as opposed Mm -hmm. to thinking. So you can do some of this work, just like you were just talking about, you can do that with EFT, right? So I could tap on, I feel this tension in my solar plexus. So you're still using words to describe the sensations there. But at some point, I found that I could keep my awareness on the sensations without having to think about it. So let me just talk through the feeling, the feelings, and I think you will understand it. I started, I was actually in a group at the time and the the kind of guru in the group said every week, you don't have to meditate. It's all about feeling your feelings, which was great for me because I didn't want to meditate. But at the time, I didn't know what my feelings were. So I had to do this work with EFT to become aware of my feelings. And then, you know, one day I thought, okay, let me try and do that because I know what the sensations are now. 
but it, it wasn't easy to do. And I was doing the dishes at the kitchen sink at the time. So I thought, okay, let me try it out. So I would notice a thought that had some emotion attached. So maybe something as simple as I'm afraid of making this phone call. So then I, I think the thought and I would feel where that fear was. And for me, fear is generally in my solar plexus, my stomach area. So I would try and focus on that feeling, like feeling your feelings. But I noticed if I moved, I would lose my focus. Or if I took another breath, I would lose my focus. So what I had to do was actually hold myself like a statue when I'm feeling that fear. So I would focus on the fear. So this tension in my solar plexus and I'm like a statue. So I'm not breathing, but I would talk to it in my mind using those words to connect to it. So I would say things like, okay, I can feel this fear. I can feel you right there in my solar plexus. I just want to feel you to allow you to be felt. Now, at some point, obviously, I'd have to take a deep breath. And then I would think the thought again, okay, I'm afraid of making this phone call. And I would notice that the fear had diminished slightly. So then I would do it again with the same thought, feel that fear, hold myself like a statue, allow it to be felt. Now, it was really hard to begin with because we was to, I was so programmed not to feel it. So that sensation would not want to be felt. So it took a lot of focus to do that, to allow it to just release. But it got easier over time. And eventually, you know, that fear was no longer attached to the thought. And at that point, it becomes easy to make the phone call because you're not afraid anymore. So I would start doing that over and over during the day. Instead of tapping, I would notice the emotion in the thought, just feel it, allow it to release. And things continue to change. Life became better and better. Wow. What the mistake is that so many of us make that you spoke to that I want to highlight is we don't want to stop. We don't have time for this, which is also a thought, and we should stop and tap on that or stop and feel that urgency. Like for me, one of the symptoms that keeps me from going deep, like what you're speaking of, is I've got this belief that I'm late and that I don't have time. I don't know where I'm going, but that's kind of a, a natural default state of my nervous system. So I'm feeling really inspired to stop and feel the feeling of urgency the next time it comes up. And, you know, speaking on behalf of many of my clients, the mistake that we're all making is we don't stop. You know, we think, we believe the myth of multitasking. I'll just feel my feelings while I run to the store. That's fine. And then I'll get all that done. And it's what I heard you say is I had to stand as still as a statue. And the first belief that may have to be dealt with is I don't have time to deal with this. Yes. And that's something that can be tapped on you, right? Yes. That's the first layer because unless you let go of that layer, you can't get anywhere. Yeah. So yes. So, so it's it really noticing. becomes prioritizing your needs and realizing that your needs aren't negotiable. And so this idea that you have to keep going and not, and what I love, and maybe you can speak to this, is when you begin with practices like these, they are no longer a life interrupting. I can regulate my nervous system in, in 90 seconds most of the time, where in the beginning, you know, the, it could be hours of 
first of all, not even realizing that I'm upset and then, okay, I'm going to try it. And, ah, it's not working because I haven't slowed down. (laughs) You know, I'm not choosing to focus on that. I'm trying to do too many things at once. And that I think is a product of our culture where we we're trying to do so many things at once. And our focus is is a muscle. And we have very weak muscles in the focus department, especially those of us that identify as ADHD or something like that. So that could be a real challenge that you you can tap on. (laughs) Yes, because that movement, that wanting to move, that wanting to do something, I believe is often another way of suppressing it. We don't want to feel those feelings that are going to come up because they're uncomfortable. You're so right. Yeah. So we have to be willing to, and that's, When I realized that the emotions are just energy that's stuck inside the body, that's all it is. It just, it's coming up to be felt, to be recognized. And then it goes right with the cat experience. Once I really got that, it became much easier to do the work because I knew there was freedom beyond the the darkness, right? Going through these traumatic memories, there's freedom on the other side. And that really spurred me on to do this work. But you're right, the focus is definitely a muscle. I mean, to begin with, and I was doing this feeling the feelings, instead of doing my childhood at night that I'd already done with EFT, I would lay on the sofa and bring collective traumas to mind. So for me in California, something like the Loma Prieta earthquake that I was in or 9-11, I would just bring those memories to mind and just allow them to be felt. But to begin with, I would fall asleep. (laughs) It was Mm -hmm. easy to fall asleep. But as I did it more and more, excuse me, my focus became much more honed. I could just do it so easily. And I was right there. I, you know, if my boys needed me for anything, I was right. I was very present. I was very awake, very alive. And it became easier to do and fun to do because this is just energy that had been stuck in the body for decades. It's got to feel good to release and it, and it does. So kind of that spurred me on as well. There was no reason not to do it because Hey, it felt good to do it. And oh, go ahead. I'm what I'm hearing that I just want to fine tune for the listeners is that you are recommending that you start with something simple and small because that is what then drives your dopamine. That now that you have a story, you have evidence of progress. And if I can do it with this little thing, then I okay, I'll try the next thing. So you're not only strengthening the muscle with a lighter weight. Nobody picks up a 300 pound dumbbell and starts there, but you're also creating a narrative that this is possible. I I can do this. I'm learning. And now you are rewiring your neural pathways to see and learn that this is actually a solution. And then that's what gets the ball rolling with with your motivation to continue the practice. And then it starts self-reinforcing itself because you, you see the changes happening. You experience them every day. I mean, it's so much more pleasant to be in a body that is not stressed all the time than it was yeah. in the past. And you can see the changes happening because you've changed. So it, it just gets easier and easier. It's almost, I would say, almost exponential in how it changes you know the more you do the bigger the changes are so it's definitely worth taking the the chance and taking that time to start doing it so let's weave in the addiction component if somebody's struggling with over drinking 
and falling off the wagon and getting some sobriety and then falling off the wagon and feels like they're just stuck. What would you recommend? Where where do they start with this sort of thing? If you're going to use EFT and I recommend it, it's very easy. It's very free. It is free to use. You start exactly where you are. So you said some great words there, right? So you would tap on, I'm stuck and allow yourself to feel stuck. Or you'd tap on, I fell off the wagon again. And how you feel about falling off the wagon again, right? You're finding yourself, your truth, exactly where you are. And once you've tapped on that, another thought will come to mind. Then you tap on that. Yes. Yes. I try to explain that one of the biggest things to become aware of is to understand there's a difference between drinking and thinking about drinking. And 99% of your alcohol problem is thinking about drinking. And so if you could separate the behavior from and just do the work on the other 99% and recognize it as the thoughts and deal with the thoughts and the energy beneath these. This is hard. I can't do this forever. I'm never going to get there. This isn't possible. I don't want to. I don't even want to. Those are thoughts, not truths. Absolutely. They're thoughts and we don't have to act on our thoughts, right? If we just understand that is a thought and there's energy attached to it, And if we release the energy attached to it, it just becomes words. Like we said with I hate myself, they're just words. Hopefully, you know, you'd have to try it out. But the desire to act on it then diminishes because the energy behind it has diminished. Now, it may take some work, may take some time. I tapped on I hate myself for probably hours over a period of weeks until it just became nothing. So it can take time, but it definitely works. So, yeah, I encourage people to use it if they can. I feel like this is a magic wand. I mean, yeah, you have to do the work to do it, but what a hopeful message and a simple strategy for literally rewiring your brain and changing yourself at a DNA level so that we're here to have fun, right? All of this emotional baggage that we're carrying around is so heavy. And to hear you speak and I can validate. And also I'm super motivated to spend more time and to take the time to dig deeper and to tap and stop trying to tap at the red light between sending texts, like, you know, making this a priority, this self-care, but what a What's on the other side is a profound healing. At a deep level, yeah. I mean, I never knew how deep I could go. So as I did more of this releasing of the physical sensations, at some point I got to the place where I realized I could keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had released. And that blew my mind. I I didn't know what was happening at the time. So I thought I'd just play with it (laughs) and see if I can do it again. And I realized I could do it again. Then I'd move my awareness around inside and I could find a place that had tension versus no tension. So I would focus on the tension. So I'm doing exactly the same thing that I was doing with the feeling, the feelings, and really with the 
tapping, right? We're tapping, we're just focusing on the words, but inside there's also some physicality that we're tapping into that we don't really realize at that point. And I had honed my focus so intently at that point that I could just focus on that tension and it would release. And it took many months of doing this physical deep inside release work for me to realize that we hold that tension, those memories, those emotions, we hold it in our connective tissue because that's what I'm looking through as I'm looking inside my body. And so that it's really stored physically inside of us and we really can release it. And it just takes doing this work, it, which is, you're right, it's releasing the burden. It's releasing it both in words, right, which is attached to the tension and the connective tissue. It's all connected and we're working on it either at a more surface level with the words or at the deeper level with the tension itself in the connective tissue. And as that burden releases, we change in many ways. So my whole posture has changed because I've released that tension the physical tension. My neck has changed as I've been releasing the tension. It's like I've got an inner chiropractor now. It cracks multiple times each day as I release tension. And that's how my skull has changed because it's that release of that burden stored inside. We have no idea how much tension we store in our subconscious mind. Blows my mind when I think about how much is in there, but you can't become aware of it until you're ready. If I had become aware of it, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't have survived because the amount of pain stored inside was unbearable until I was ready to see it. So that's what this whole progression of self-awareness is. It also is very scientific. What What we are talking about doing is creating a laser with our focus. And in this world where we are all so distracted, we have no focus. We have no self-awareness. That is also addiction, you know, is when you are just completely running on a super habit. And this is what you're describing as the observer principle in quantum physics, where by looking at something, you change it. Once it is, it changes it it's the observer principle. And so looking at the tension and directing your focus on it, it's super magical to, to imagine that our focus, just our attention has the power to heal. But that is what our body has been doing all along, trying to get our attention. And we just are running around like chicken with our heads cut off. We're late. I'm really late. And I hate myself and all of this. And turning your attention into the body, it's hard to fathom how simple it is, but the power of directing your focus is exponential, as you say. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And I didn't know that we could do this, but it starts with that first step of just noticing during the day how we're feeling, stopping and noticing. (laughs) I want to know a little bit more about your pain 
Can you just expand on that just a little bit where you said you've healed the tension in your neck and in your skull? You know, when I first saw you writing about that, I assumed that there was some sort of accident or something that you were overcoming. Now it sounds like I've got the same thing. Maybe if I stopped for five seconds, I might experience a lot of tension and be aware of things that are just below the surface and I'm just blowing past them at all times. Tell me, Tell tell me your story about healing the tension and changing your neck and all of that. Okay. When I put my awareness inside my body, I was working down in my stomach area, my abdomen, and I worked with the tension in my torso for months, but eventually I was able to put my awareness inside my head. And that's when the tension, the pain in my left cheek was almost unbearable. And I think it was from being born with my right foot up against my right shin and my whole body being twisted this in my left cheek, I think was the other end of that twist from my foot. And it was so intense that I could only focus on it for maybe a second. And then I'd have to, you know, put my awareness back outside of me. Were you aware of that pain? Did you know there was pain in your cheek? Nope. Nope. I had lived 50 years of my life at that point, and I had no awareness that was inside of my head. Now, I have had migraines a lot throughout my life, and I had an orthodontist once tell me, you've got to have a lot of tension in your head. But at the time, I laughed him off. It's, no, I don't think so. (laughs) But I was so wrong. I had just not become aware of it yet. It was in my subconscious. So I couldn't feel it until I got to, to the place where I could put my awareness inside my head, and then... At that point, I already had the technique, right? I knew how to work on it a little bit at a time. And over the years, I would just work on it. I mean, I was working on it intently before I got to bed this morning. The the pain that was there was huge. There's still some pain if I focus on one particular place. So I've released so much. And as I release that pain in my left cheek or the tension in my left cheek, my right neck will often crack because that's where I've held a lot of the tension. So my neck doesn't fully bend that way. So I believe it's connected to my left cheek. It's that connective tissue. It's those adhesions in the connective tissue, which over time, actually, the first time I felt and heard one release, I was a little scared. I I thought I may be hurting myself. That's when I did the research and realized it was an adhesion in the connective tissue that was releasing. And it sounded and it felt all fabric ripping. So that happens one day and then I'd keep doing it, you know, the next day, maybe twice. And over those years, I mean, it happens probably a hundred times a day now because I've still got so much more to release, but that is the slow release of really deep tension that has allowed my neck to really loosen up and my skull bones. I actually felt my skull bones relax. Now, again, I had not known they were not relaxed until they relaxed. And then I could look back and say, okay, so they must have been tense before, but I had not been aware of it. It was just stored in my subconscious mind. So I'm a little confused. So I'm going to say, because I'm sure other people are as well. Are you living in this pain or is this a practice where you call this, you focus your awareness to a specific part of your body like this is this really high level where you're going about your life and you know here's the kids and here's dinner and here 
or are you living in pain or is this something that you actually have to consciously choose to move into so that you can work through it? That's a great question. And yes, it's the second. If I come out of that focus on that pain, I'm not aware of it anymore again until I decide to focus on it and release it. So yes, I'm aware of the pain, right? As soon as I relax, I will feel the next area of tension and I I might spend a moment to just focus on it and release it. But if I'm busy doing things, then I'm not aware of it. Okay. So you're not disabled and in pain. It's just, this may speak to why sitting still or meditating or whatever gets uncomfortable because the more you become aware, all of a sudden it's scary. Like what you're talking about, I would be like, do I need to go to the doctor? Am I, do I have cancer there? You know, so for, how did you deal with the fear that you've now paid attention or woken up some deep pain and that how, how did you prevent not making that pain mean something like something is wrong that I have to go to the doctor for? Yeah, I've actually thought that and felt that many times. Okay. But I've got to the place where I realize what's happening and it's just the next layer that is being uncovered and it's being uncovered for me to notice it, to feel it, to sit with it, to allow it to release. And then it does. So I've done that enough times now to know that is the case. But yes, I mean, it can get scary. You know, at one point I became aware of this huge tension throughout my right leg all the way down to my foot. And it was my right leg that had been up against my shin when I was born. So all that tension in that connective tissue had been living in there all those years again, but I'd not been aware of them, of it. So yes, I mean, that moment was also kind of scary because it's like, it was so intense. And to really realize that's been there the whole time and I've not been aware of it, it's kind of crazy. It's a crazy thought and understanding, but that is the case. It's just our body spares us from that pain until we're ready to deal with it. So this is very much an unwinding process. Yeah. I want to say, you know, I'm able to see you. You're glowing and you're happy. And so I, it speaks to the true, you look like you've been released, you know, the feeling of, oh, I just had sex or I just won the lottery. Like you have this amazing glow of not what I would say is not tension. It's hard for me to even pick another word of it. You don't have tension. And like right now I'm like, I have a lot of tension. I got some work to do. And so I'm really inspired because you're emanating freedom. Yeah. It feels freeing. I mean, it's a lightness, right? There's no, that burden is not there. So it's easy to laugh right at things at yourself at other people it's easy to understand what's going on in life and why things are happening so you don't have to get caught up in all those emotions so yeah it's a great place to be yeah there's no problems to be fixed there are things to be felt get to work (laughs) yes i mean even in the news i will listen to the news to see what comes up inside of me because if it comes up inside of me it's just there to be healed oh what a beautiful way to, you're, it's completely opposite of what we do. It's completely opposite to, to think that the outside world is making us feel and know the way we see the outside world is coming from our feelings and to reverse it and then have fun and laugh 
at it. You know, we are here to be human and this is what we're doing. We're, oh, look, there's my hands. Okay. You know, almost like a brand new baby. You're making it very inviting. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find you? Um, all of that. Sure. I have my website is anhints.com. The x-rays are on there so you can see how the skull has changed. I have my book, A Pathway to Insight, and I have a workbook that I put out fairly recently. So if you want help digging up on your shadow, uh, you could use that. I'm also pretty active on Facebook. Um, I like interacting with people there. And I have my YouTube channel, which has a lot of, I think, pretty deep videos on it, but also videos to help you along the journey. So yeah. And is it at Anne Hints all on YouTube and everything? It's at Anne Hints on YouTube. On Facebook, it's Anne Hints Wisdom. Okay. And hence, uh, we'll, I'll get the links from you and put them in the show notes. This has been one of my favorite conversations ever. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more from Anne, get in the show notes. I've got all of her information, YouTube, website, LinkedIn, all of the stuff she gave me. It's all in the show notes. So you can find and listen more to more information from her. And then if you are not on my insider email list, get in the show notes and get on the list. I always create extra content around these episodes that is only available to people on my email list. You'll also get early bird access to my live events and also low cost events like my storytelling workshops and my breathwork sessions that we do every single month. And you'll have an opportunity to let me know what you think. Like, I would love to know if you all appreciated these episodes be split, being split up. The reason I'm doing this is because I got such good feedback on the five-part episode on resolving ambivalence that I released when I launched the new name, It's Not About the Alcohol. And the feedback was not only were they amazing episodes, you're welcome, but also that they were easy to digest. And that when I release episodes that are 50 minutes, one hour, an hour and 15 minutes, that it's just a lot to process. And so I'm trying something different and I would love to hear from you. Being on my email list gives you direct access to me. I answer every single email and I'm often asking questions of my audience and asking for feedback or ideas for upcoming episodes or give me some questions that you want answered. And you already know that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So use me as a resource and get connected with me because I'm here to help. I also dance around in my pajamas and with my dog on Instagram and Facebook. So you can find me on Instagram at Recover with Colleen, two L's, two E's, as well as Facebook. I have a page, Recover with Colleen, and also a private group. Again, Recover with Colleen. So let the action step that you do for yourself today, one little step in the right direction is to subscribe or follow me on social media, because I promise you that immersing yourself in the mindset that you want to integrate into your subconscious and repeatedly exposing yourself to the ideas that you want to imbibe is how you change your mind. Science shows the fastest way to change your mind is to change your tribe. And you don't have to get a divorce and get all new friends, but simply connecting with me, following my social media accounts, 
is how you plant seeds that will eventually flourish. When I was miserable and stuck in the weeds with alcohol, it was listening to Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. I wasn't listening to recovery podcasts. I just loved his podcast, and sometimes he talked about sobriety, and that was enough. He had a guest on at one point who said, sobriety is a superpower. And they were talking about how sometimes it's hard in the evening to not be, you know, imbibing with all their friends, but they sure love waking up fresh in the morning and feeling like they can go all day and not be distracted by thoughts of alcohol. And you know what? That little offhanded comment is what got me to my day one. So if you're still kind of on and off the fence or whatever, don't you worry about it. Just start planting and watering the ideas that you eventually want to have become your truth. And now's the part of the episode when I'm supposed to tell you what you're going to hear next week. And I've boiled it down to two. I've got a whole bunch of really great episodes in the can, and it's just a matter of processing them. But the two that I'm looking at for next week will either be on gut health. I interviewed this fabulous guy named Josh Deck who explains that the source of all of our inflammation and our dysregulation and our chronic disorders is in the gut. And we go over the most common mistakes that we all make that screw up our gut and also the simple day-to-day things that you need to be doing to improve your gut health. And of course, we do discuss how alcohol impacts the gut and the steps you need to take as you reduce your drinking to repair the damage that has been done. And now that I explained all that, I'm just going to go with that guy. Decision made. That was easy. All right. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.